0: Are minute, you not... looking for a little escape? Want to see something? This is it. You don't see every day. Are you ready for a whole new Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan Rick. is ripped. To the world, he's a hero. But to this man, he's history. Zeus. Stand back. Way back. Get ready for the battle no ropes can hold. No ring. No referee. No rules. Gentlemen, it's time no holds barred. This is an unprecedented display of strength and determination.
1: Welcome everyone to the Random Wrestling Review Podcast. This is a bit of a, uh, a bit of an odd episode that we're doing today for a fact is that uh, I, Tom Smith, am hosting today uh, and I'm also joined by the one and only uh, Steve Coriander. How's it going, buddy? Great. We've
2: usually got uh, a,
1: what, what's it? I was going to say exclusion zone, but that's not.
2: Uh, restraining order between us. We can't be on podcast together anymore, can't we? I got there really quickly, didn't I? What a start
1: this is to this podcast. Yeah. That's a good. It's, it's a good sign going forward. I think. Yeah. I, I actually think the reason why that restriction's been put into place is that both you and I I think are probably two of the biggest Bret Hart fans in the entire world. Mm. And I generally think that the world will implode if we ever get into get onto a topic involving Bret Hart because it will effectively turn into a gigantic Bret Hart wankfest. Yeah, it's
2: good. it absolutely would do. Yes.
1: Yeah. So it's probably probably safe, really. Um, but we're not here to talk about Bret Hart today. In fact, we're not actually here to talk about wrestling. Well, we've got wrestling as, as a slight theme, but we are covering a film today. Don't know if this is ever going to turn into anything. This might just be a one-off. Um, but we are here today to discuss WWE's legendary, I'd say, it 1989 movie, No Holds Barred. So before we go further, Steve has already alluded to it. We don't talk to each other very often. And we don't know each other that well. I think we 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 every time we've spoken, we've gotten very well. But we're not we're not we don't know each other that well. So what I wanted to do before we do anything, I already know your wrestling tastes because yep. I've listened to the podcasts with you in, and I'm sure you have with mine. Um, but I want to know a little bit more about your film taste. Now I can see in the background you've got some movie posters, but I think they're Stranger Things posters.
2: Aren't yeah, this has nothing to do with me. This is yeah, this is, this is my my wife's room really, so it's all to do with do with her. Do you not like Stranger Things or do you like? I I do like Stranger Things, but I don't think it's a sort of i would watch i would never choose probably never choose to watch any sci-fi stuff myself i don't think right okay. um yes yeah so when it comes to films if you had to pick like a top three or a top five what sort of what do you go for generally easy i can tell you my top five right now so yeah. swingers my all-time favorite film have you seen that with john favreau brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, think of I, all the
1: beautiful I, babies That's you've i know do. i
2: absolutely babies. love that film we were when we were 16 17 discovered that film we were absolutely obsessed with it we used to watch it before every single night out and just like, yeah, we've rinsed that to death. Um, and also it,
1: got a tremendous soundtrack
2: as well. Yeah, the soundtrack's unbelievable. absolutely real Was it Big Bad Voodoo Daddy or yep, something? Yeah, I've got
1: one of their albums, actually, off the back oh. of that soundtrack. Americana Deluxe, I think it's called, and it's amazing.
2: It's such a good film. I watched it fairly recently. It, it, most of it does hold up. It's really good. And then I think in no particular order, it's got to be Rocky... Uh, high fidelity, and then the other two is quite a challenge for me. Maybe Happy Gilmore's in there as a bit mm-hmm. of a bit of a comedy one, and then maybe Rocky Two is. I think I, I love the Rocky film so much. Mm. Um, I think Rocky, original Rocky, and Rocky Two are probably in my top five. So yeah, that's it. But I must be honest, um, Tom, I'm not a massive film buff because I feel like when all the kids at school were watching like Karate Kid and stuff, I was watching football or wrestling. So I was, yeah. There. And also, I tell another thing that really hindered my development of films. I grew up with two much older sisters. So if you're talking about, like, 80s rom-coms, I'm all over that. But anything like Karate Kid, I've never seen a Rambo film. So, yeah, it's like... I've got big, big, big
1: holes in my film knowledge. I, to, to be fair, I do as well. I think for people of our age, because you're what you're just about forty, aren't you? And I'm just forty-one now. Yes, yeah, so you're forty-one. I'm going to be thirty-nine next year, so we're, you know, reasonably close. Or this year, in fact. Fuck me. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it <barely laughs> gets worse, mate. You start yeah. your your own mortality starts flashing at you like a torch, mate. The, um, last, the last couple of weeks, all right? I've been so. My knees have been hurting recently. <laughs> so I, come into, I had a physio appointment. They said, start doing some do some more exercise. So I went to the gym last week, put my back out. Oh, no! <laughs> and then this isn't anything necessarily to do with age. Maybe just the fact that I wasn't concentrating. I started feeling a bit better. Started cooking a carbonara. carbonara. You see I'm wearing a plaster. Cut the end of my finger off oh no, Jeff the <laughs> yeah. already no no it's just it's just like the right at the end the layer of skin and quarter of my nail <laughs> so oh, that's that's, that's what i've been doing dealing with going into this <laughs> so um but people of our age i think a lot of the films that you tend to love especially uh, tends to, especially ones that are older you tend to are the ones that you had on video when you were growing up yeah. so um when it, that's why like people love like the goonies for example I didn't didn't have it on video, so it's not a film that's that's familiar with me. The Rocky films, to some extent, every time I've watched them, I've enjoyed them, but they don't hold that same sentimental feeling to me that they do for a lot of other people of our generations. And I think Tinky's described it perfectly before when talking about the Rocky films. They are basically the best booked pro wrestling you will ever watch. Yeah. So that's not a surprise to me that you're a big fan of the first two specifically, especially the first one. The first one's a bit more serious, isn't it? They tend to get a little bit more campy, especially Rock when you get to like Rocky four, like it starts getting basically t- again, going back to Tinky, he's not even on this fucking podcast and he's dominating it already. <laughs> um, he, he describes Rocky four as the world's best ever musical because it effectively is. Isn't it? It's oh, like it's a, a cat song. on screen
2: now. I didn't know you were a cat. Uh,
1: yeah, I'd uh, say owner. I suppose you are, do own the cat, really, don't yeah. you? But, yeah. So yeah. He, he's, his name is Goldie Wilson, which is the name of the mayor in Back to the Future, which is a lovely segue because Back to the Future is my favourite film. Oh, OK, yeah. Uh, followed up by Ratatouille. I don't know if you've ever seen it. but I've never seen Ratatouille. I've heard of it, though, but I've not seen it yet. Yeah. <laughs> probably Three is probably The Departed. Okay, uh, I'm not sure if I've seen that. Very good, I'd recommend you watching it. Probably, and then somewhere along there is like The Dark Knight, and I, I don't know, there's, there's a litany of other films that could that could fall into that category, but I, if I had to push it, I'd probably say Dark Knight, and then Pulp Fiction, probably. Yeah, Pulp Fiction's probably, great. I don't part. know if you get this, but do you find uh,
2: that you can't re- really recall a film all that well unless you've seen it more than once? Yes, big time. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I'm glad I've taken multiple notes about *Noah's <laughs> See, I think I've seen *The Departed*, but I've only seen it once, so I can't really like my attention. Not, I'm not sure if attention to detail, but my ability to with uh, to kind of res- retain information that is not necessarily a subject that I'm really interested in is really bad. So, like, yeah. I just don't retain it if it's like. Show me something, like a series or something. I'll be sitting with my wife watching like, the second series or something, and I won't remember anything from the first series. It's been like a year or whatever. Going back to Rocky, just before we move on, the, the first Rocky got an Oscar. So yeah. it was, yeah, it was, I think it's it was screenplay, Best Screenplay. Yeah, Best Screenplay. So it's like, um, yeah, it was It was a super serious film. And then by Rocky Four, you just had a, a podcast you recommended, the uh, rewatchables. I think they said it was 34% montages in that film, which is just unbelievable.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. One thing this I'd love to find out that. Than that. One thing I'd love to find out about this film would be what the percentage of grunting is because (laughs) it's a high amount there, but we will cover that in a minute. Into No Holds Barred, then. So, the kind of the background of this film, I suppose, you can obviously fill in the gaps where I where i can't steve because i'm sure you probably know more about you know kind of the the behind the scenes machinations of this film but basically this film is is produced by wf films under the i think it's called the shane distribution company or something like that like a shell corporation named after shane mcmahon um, and it was distributed by new line cinema who i think of as being quite a They've probably released some absolute rotters in their time. But I think of New Line Cinema, I think of like a lot of films from the 90s. Like Scream, I think, was distributed by them.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: The Nightmare on Elm Street films. Like all these kind of films I can remember watching when I was younger. Cocktail, perhaps? Cocktail, do you remember that one with Tom Cruise? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. Like I saw New Line Cinema, I thought, hello, this is all right. And then I saw the WWE Studios logo and it's the new ww studios logo which i thought was quite interesting and it blows my mind that this isn't on the network yeah it's weird weird, isn't it
2: yeah so we released it in the mid 2000s around the time that they first started doing films like i think i can't remember when steve austin's first film was but around that time they did release it as like a a, i guess it was a blu-ray or maybe dvd perhaps then but they did they did come back out again
1: but it's interesting because the I find it really weird that not all the WWE studio films are on there on the on the WWE network or on Peacock as it would be in the states because it's just an obvious it's content that they've got it's crap yeah. content <laughs> yeah but there's loads of crap content on the WWE network
2: so you think it's because someone pays them so they so they can't they can't really market sort of WrestleMania six as being held by somebody else as a rights holder but this is obviously I guess Pluto TV is probably paying something to them for this. So I wonder whether that's
1: something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. So Pluto TV is what I discovered. So I think the reason we ended up coming to the decision to make this podcast and record this podcast in the first place was because sometime in December, I believe we released a bonus episode of the Random Wrestling Review, and um we got onto talking about it for some reason, and I found this this streaming service called Pluto. Um, and they they were showing it on there. In fact, I, <laughs> I seem to remember getting told off because I got distracted because I. You found this on it. air, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I did. Um, and then the next day, Steve texts me. I know it was in December because I was on my work Christmas meal. And Steve text texted the kind of the group saying, "Who else wants to watch this and do a podcast?" And no one responded <laughs> apart from me. <laughs> it's where where we are. So let's go into expectations first. What are your expectations about going into this, Steve? Oh, I have. I had seen it before.
2: So so I've so. This was, um, I'm almost positive that the first kind of net, not network, but the first not Sky Movies viewing, showing of this was in conjunction with Tuesday night in Texas in oh. 1991. I think in, in what would that have been, early December 91. So I definitely watched it around that time. Um, so I have seen it, but obviously that's a long time ago. I, my expectations and hope were that it was going to be so bad, it, it was good, but I think it might, I was kind of thinking more, it's just gonna
1: be so bad. Yeah. I mean my mine are reasonably similar. I mean, I kind of thought to myself, I, I, I thought it was gonna be dreadful, to be perfectly honest, because well, but I remember reading the first time I ever heard about it, as I think it was in the book Wrestle Crap, which I had years <clears> ago, and they dedicate a chapter to it. And at the time I remember reading it thinking this sounds amazing, but there was no way of viewing it. Um I when I found it on on this service, Pluto, I, I then watched the trailer on YouTube, obviously. And I kind of looked at the aesthetics of it and thought, do you know what? Like, there's a lot of 80s action films I love, the Running Man, specifically Arnie films, I'd say, like the Running Man Commando. And it's like all these kind of like these dystopian kind of 80s action films. And I thought this might have an element of that to it. So I was kind of looking forward to it just from an aesthetics viewpoint. But in terms of a storyline, acting and direction standpoint, I wasn't expecting much <laughs> at all. But let's see where we go. I could be pleasantly surprised. Um so the film starts off, it's quite low key opening credits. It basically starts with just like a crowd roaring in the background. And you hit the first voice you hear is that of mean, Jean O'Collins and then Jesse Ventura's, and they are playing themselves as commentators for the world wrestling federation. And there is a, uh, a match happening at the time between Jake bullet, who's played by Bill Lee, also known as Axe from demolition and rip. That's just his name. Who is Hulk Hogan's character. Um, there is a basically Hogan's walking to the ring, actually, and he's just roaring. He's just terrible. <laughs> so bad. Like what's he doing? just shouting, like, rip him, rip him. It's, it's like, what is this? He says, I'm going to rip you, Jake Bullet. And what Jake does that Bullet? mean? What does well, rip him mean? I don't know. I have no idea. And he's got a little hand signal that he does before <laughs> he gets into the ring, and that seems to generate some kind of rip power. I yeah. don't know I don't know what that is. But Jake Bullet, I wanted to focus on Jake Bullet just for a second because keen listeners to the podcast will know they're both Tinky and I are big fans of not only Bottom, which we reference quite a lot, but Red Dwarf as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. And in the episode Back to Reality, um Crichton is uh, this is an episode where they all are uh, realise that they are plugged into a simulation? And Red Dwarf isn't real, and they're actual real people. And Crichton's character is called Jake Bullet,
3: as wow, well. Wow. Okay.
1: So that made me think immediately. I was like, "Hello, now we're cooking with gas." I wonder if they, I wonder if like someone watched, um, <laughs> watched this and thought that's a cracking crap name. We're going to use this in, in Red Dwarf. <laughs> How late into Red Dwarf was that? Series five. Okay. Um. But there's also another um, there's another reference to wrestling in Series 5 as well in the episode Demons and Angels, when they go to the demons, the the, the low ship, they call it, and there's like a poster of Sting or something in the oh, background. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's very, very weird. So there's a little couple of Red Dwarf wrestling uh, crossovers there. Um, but the, the match kind of happens, basically ends up with... Um, with Rip winning, uh, effectively, but getting into a fight and um and lots of groans, lots of growls. He tears his shirt in true Hulk Hogan style, and as I said earlier, he's got a rip him hand signal, which seems to give him some kind of extra strength or anything. And um, what are your thoughts about this this opening scene? I just thought,
2: well, I just, I just from the very start, you're thinking, why have they done this like this? Why have they turned Hulk Hogan this like ultra charismatic? guy and he's just playing this neanderthal that keeps kind of grunting. And the Ripham thing doesn't make any sense. Like I just don't get where does this what does this mean and why is it like that? And I also thought that they they say obviously Katie must have come out at some sort of WF taping, which so I'm sure in the depths of the internet you could probably find out where this was. But then the close-up shots weren't in the same place because it was extras and there were loads of empty seats. So yeah. it's like what, what like they're talking about it being it being sold out and stuff. It's just that I just find it I found it really bizarre and I also thought that if you were a Hulk and there's a lot of this throughout the film if you're a Hulk Hogan fan you know what wrestling sounds like so you know when they hit the mat and what the punches sound like so why are you trying to do this in a way And it sounded like cannons going off every time they punch someone or something it was so um, grating for a wrestling fan to see this and I wonder whether they thought you know oh we'll try and get a load of non-wrestling fans I'm just like, this, this, this never never the way they should have gone this I really think there was the he could have probably done a really good Hulk Hogan action film in 1988 if you just had some tweaks in this I think
1: yeah if you made it more like like they tried to make it like Bloodsport with yeah. John or Kickboxer or, or Rocky or any of these kind of like Underdog fights. The problem is, as well, with Hulk Hogan, is that he's so fucking massive that you can't ever really have him as an underdog. Yeah, you know I mean? he's like, jacked he looks, in this. Exactly, and he looks yeah. enormous. He looks ridiculous as well because he is in full Hulk Hogan attire, but it just says Rip on the front and yeah. it's varying and it's varying colours. And we will get onto Hulk Hogan's attire in <laughs> this, I'm sure, as we go. Um, the Rip has his match with Jake Bullet. Um, and there's footage of some sinister-looking corporate suits. In the uh, in, in watching on TV, and uh, those character those uh, characters are um, Kurt Fuller playing Tom Brell. Um, Kurt Fuller you might recognise from Wayne's World, at least that's where I recognise him from. Yeah. Um, and he's had actually quite a long career. He's also in Ghostbusters 2 I think um as the uh, mayoral aide um but he's been in loads of stuff like you've seen him in something i mean if you're looking on his wikipedia page he's been a night rider time cop quantum leap la law murder she wrote ali mcbill malcolm in the middle the west wing boston legal um desperate housewives like he's my name is earl ugly betty glee you've seen everybody has seen something with him in. he's wow. in everything so, what, when so, he first popped up
2: i thought i know i recognize that face. And I thought he was the pervy guy in Pretty Woman that attacks Julia Roberts that worked with Richard Gere, but obviously it's not it's not him it's not him. Where I was thinking him from is is that Wayne's World character or is he like the the TV executive that kind of turns on them basically? But yeah, so I thought that was another one that was his credit, but it's not him it's not.
1: Well, it's it's funny actually because he doesn't really turn on on them. It's Rob Lowe who turns. Oh yeah, I thought that
2: he did turn a little bit on them.
1: Did he not? Was he he, he not side with Rob Lowe? He, he comes in with Rob Lowe, but basically one of the uh, members of Wayne and Garth's crew keeps telling him he loves him, oh, and okay, I think okay. it ends up ends up going to be in their buddy. Oh, he but doesn't anyway, turn. Does he? He doesn't turn. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. No, no, he, he goes in wow. with evil intentions, I think, yeah. but ends up ends up um ends up being friends with them. So um and then there's also Unger and Ordway, who are the <laughs> um the two kind of suits who are kind of with uh, Brill throughout the for most of the film, and they're watching, um rip wins against jake bullet with the big boot and a running double axe handle so i was again i was expecting a leg drop i don't know about you Hmm. yeah (laughs) why was
2: there no leg drop here they didn't even do his japan uh clothesline finish they needed something else but what why 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 not just give people the leg drop? i don't don't get it
1: i don't get it why would you keep the big boot like the elements of yeah yeah but not but not the leg drop um so um broil is annoyed and he threw and then basically the next scene sorry the next scene is in a boardroom, and um, Brill looks rather annoyed, and he throws something at the wall. I didn't catch what it was, some kind of vase or something, and complains about the ratings. Now, um, it turns out Bril works for a network uh, which is called WTN, I believe. I think the that's World Television it. Network. That's right. A lovely yeah. generic title, <laughs> and they are the lowest in the in the ratings, basically. And what he wants is to get high in the ratings. Um, at the same time, there's ve- this is a very strange film because there's lots of scenes happening at the same time as each yeah. other, which makes <laughs> yes. it very difficult to take notes from. Makes so it really keeps- easy to review, doesn't it? Especially yes. in chronological order, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it keeps going back. So we go back to Rip and he's in the ring celebrating with his brother, Randy, and his trainer, Charlie. It's very worthwhile keeping those names into his head. And he's doing his Hulk Hogan poses again. So again, he's still it. And at the same time, Rip's just muttering to himself. Hey,
2: did you notice, though, he did say something about uh, cannons rather than pythons, referring to his
1: biceps? Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's nice. That's a lovely touch. Um. So we go back to the boardroom. Uh, Brow is saying to a load of spineless suits that he wants Rip to retire so they can get better ratings. Um, Brow. Braille- asks someone called Miss Tidings to pitch something to him. Um, So she said she'd asked the writers to come up with a high concept sitcom which Braille tells her to take a leak. Uh, which she finds fairly offensive and runs the room, leaves the room crying. What do you mean, take a piss or leave? I've never <laughs> heard anybody say that. I've no. never heard anyone say that. Take a leak. Like, what does that leak. mean? And she runs out of the room crying, which is. Now we find later on that Brails not very nice to women. No. Um, so maybe there's uh, you know a bit of um you know something else going on there. But at the time, I did think that was a little bit of an overreaction. Yeah. <laughs> personally. Um, <laughs> Brell then really dramatically points to Ordway, who proposes a game show and is then shown a picture of Rip by Brell, which Brell then rips up in front of him.
2: But I don't think he says anything. No, no. And then he throws this kind of paperweight down on the on the poster of Rip that smashes all over the place as well. So he (laughs) could have had one of his poor. What is it? Unger and Ordway? I didn't write those. Uh, those Yeah, Unger
1: and Ordway, I think. Yeah.
2: He <laughs> could have had one of their eyes out with that, um, but yeah, this was. The, but I must say, um, he is the, the guy that plays Brel is is really good at this. I thought, I thought it was really good throughout. his facials in this were, were fantastic as well.
1: He does, he does, he does a great job in playing like a slimy scumbag. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's there's moments of it that there are very much I think you referred to Vincent Mann as a slimy old cunt in a <laughs> And there are definitely elements of it where I was like, he's playing Vincent Mann. Yeah. Not necessarily in this scene, but there's a couple of other scenes where he is. Yeah. Um, the uh he basically Brill says, I think it's Brel, isn't it? I keep Brell, yeah, yeah, Brell, Brell. yeah. Brel. Um says that Rip, he wants Rip basically because Rip will sell for the the network. The rest of the suits in the room say to Rip, say to Brel that Rip is contracted to another network. But Brel says he can get, he can buy his contract out. Brel says that what the network needs, the network gets. Yeah. One of the suits says Rip's a word of his bond, but even Rip has his price. (laughs) I mean, the, I think, I like to think that the guy who plays Brel knows that this is shit and is just having fun with it and is yeah. really cap like in the way that like um alan rickman in robin hood prince of thieves is in on the joke i like to think that he is as well i'll have to take a word yes. for that one tom i'm afraid That's, Oh, yeah, yes,
3: yeah.
2: No. no uh like, as Ke- is that kevin costner yeah maybe but
1: yeah again it's only a one-time viewing i think yeah it's crap but again, <laughs> yeah. I had it on for you when I was younger. So I think my mum had a thing for Kevin Costner. So I like. that's we ended up having it on. But surely
2: Kevin Costner ch- achieved perfection in Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. And everything after that wasn't
1: wasn't quite as good. And I've never seen it. Oh. <laughs> um, this is amazing. There's lots of crossover going on here. Yeah. yeah. So the next scene is uh, Rip um, arriving at a building in a limo. Uh, he's wearing a black and red spandex outfit with a matching bandana. And this is casual Rip. This isn't wrestling Rip. And he looks absolutely nuts. Mm. Casual. This this outfit is insane. Like, just absolutely
2: ridiculous. People say hello to him outside. He's just there, like, there's no room for hiding anything in this outfit. It's just it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Um. So it turns out he's going into a meeting with Brill. Um, Brel even. Um, Brell starts sucking up to Rip, tells him that his last match was a masterpiece, the, the aforementioned match against Jig Bullet. Um, Brel boasts that his chairs are Louis XIV's, <laughs> they cost him a fortune. Um, Rip sits down in one of them and the chair creaks under Rip's might. Um, Brel says... Hogan's that, facial with that is so good. It is. He's, just like, Ooh. he's like, oh, Hello, what's going <laughs> yeah, on here? the chair, he's like, and, a and brilliant
2: also, sight gag of Hogan there. And Brel also
1: looks terrified that the chairs yeah. break. <laughs> so not um, break. It cost me a fortune! Exactly, <laughs> and he says Louis Fourteenth would be proud to have a man like Rip sit on mm-hmm. his chairs. Brel offers Rip a contract, which Rip turns down. He says he's contracted to the other network, and he is, in fact, a man of his word. Um, Brel takes this badly and offers Rip a blank check, which Brit, Rip scoffs at. Brel is ready, really aggro at this point. He's really way started, too probably, angry too early, isn't he? He's never been exactly. on sales Yeah. Zero to sixty. He just bangs and starts starts yelling at him, and at the same time, Rip is incredibly calm. He says, "Oh, okay then." Brel thinks that this has worked, worked, and Rip goes over to the check, and Rip and Brel both laugh for an awkwardly long time <laughs> folk fake laughing on the behalf of um of uh rip obviously um rip then shoves the check into brow's mouth and storms out but as he storms out he turns around and does the rip signal and growls <laughs> the,
2: i've written in my notes this has to be seen to be believed in terms of how bad this scene was i mean it just was just was unbelievable Bro, is a maniac like he's literally he's like he's got the world he's got the job at the world television network the one he's wanted for a long time he's got Rip in his room he's like oh can he come can he come and sign for us so oh, I've got I can't do that bro. and he goes mad off that it's not like oh well we could do this we can look after your family he's just like jock, at, jock ass is something that he says throughout the whole film isn't it basically so he yeah. keeps calling Rip jock jock ass um, but yeah he's just an absolute fruit loop and uh, yeah this is his
1: negotiation skills leave a little bit to be. Desired here, that he does and it's just it's so like i said like in the previous scene he was quite good yeah. <laughs> and now in this scene he's just absolutely useless rip leaves after doing the signal and brell calls someone and says get me the garage whilst rip is being limo driven home the driver keeps going the wrong way and then puts up the partition between <laughs> the front and the back rip then starts trying to kick the door off of the limo to get out of it but it takes an awfully long time to do it um rip then is kicking the car and the kicks of so much force that it's knocking the car off the road <laughs> but the door remains firmly on and of course they end up in a garage rather coincidentally where some goons presumably uh working on behalf of brell yeah because he's he, i think he says
2: i think he says before before rip leaves take him to the garage but it's so quiet on the first run, there's there's a massive thing in the plot of this later on that I didn't get at all in the first watching of it, and I only caught this the second time tonight. He, he, he does say, Take him to the garage,
1: basically. Oh, so that I is, isn't said, it? Yeah. I always yeah. thought he said, Get me the garage. Okay. Yeah, or Get Thanks. him to the garage, it might have been, actually. Yeah. Oh, I see. yeah. But what I find so weird about it is that the kicks that Rip is delivering knocks the car completely off path and they, they somehow still end up in the garage despite yeah, the fact that the driver apparently has no control over where the car's going
2: There is no reason for that car to be out of control like he's he, he smashes up a tv or something in the back it's like that there's a massive car i don't know the cut the, the limo driver. was so, like it was, it was ridiculous all over the road but he still managed to get to his destination didn't he exactly so
1: they end up in the garage um rip is growling obviously in the back of the limo and some goons start to approach. I think there's three of them. And all of a sudden, Rip leaps through the car roof and lands <laughs> on top of it, growling obviously. And then he starts fighting off the baddies. And this is why I wrote: the fight acting is truly dreadful in mm. It The the whoever choreographed this, like he does this for a living, and is good at it. Hulk Hogan, yeah, Kogan, yep. in in real life outside of the no holds barred universe. So why does it look so awful? he basically throws one of the goons through the windscreen of the limo and all the basically the other two goons end up in the car as well rip then chuckles like a maniac like <laughs> you said earlier like a neanderthal he's going <laughs> and it's just insane and he rips the dog driver's door off Where yep. where's this strength come from he can't kick the door off but yet he can rip a door off with relative ease uh, yeah ridiculous it's, it's bonkers um And this is where the scene happens, the line of dialogue that we've all heard about. If you've listened to I've listened to this, I think I listened to the coverage of them talking about this on Bruce Pritchard's podcast years ago, um, which I probably should have gone back and listened to again, actually in the build up for this. But anyway, (laughs) which is when he pulls the rip, pulls the driver out of the car and there is some horrible liquid on the back of his trousers where he's clearly sawed himself. And that's when this dialogue happens.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's that smell?
1: <laughs> this is madness, and I know one hundred percent who is either written this or who this has been written for so what what is dookie is dookie
2: shit poo water because like, like, <laughs> it wasn't a shit was it it was like it was water or is it always dookie or is pissed you've got to piss yourself and 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 shit yourself to get dookie i don't know
1: well do you know what we can find? we can find this out it's also a name of a green day album it <laughs> like is yeah is. Um, well, we can have a quick look and see. Go on, let's go on to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> it's just going to be shit, I think, isn't it? I think you're probably right, but I yeah. hope that it's not. Um, I think it's just another type of shit. Um, poop. Yeah. Poop, yeah. Poop. Green Day's first album. Oh, there we go. Abnormal fecal matter that can often be caused by eating food that does not agree with you.
2: Oh, okay. So it could be diarrhea then, couldn't it, basically, which would, could which would explain be. the wet. Way- Rear end, yeah.
1: Yeah, indeed. But the reaction is weird, and then Hogan, he's he he starts kind of going like (laughs) that at that time, and he sounds like um Harry from Home Alone. I thought at this point, you know, there's a there's a bit in Home Alone too. I think when he gets his head set on fire or something like that, that he starts making mad noises like that, and it's just bizarre. What a weird scene, and it's entirely on brand for Vince McMahon. Isn't it? I thought the limo driver looked a little bit like Eric, Eric Bischoff in
2: one of the things, but then he then he didn't at all in one other bit. Maybe it was the glasses. I think perhaps like the sunglasses.
1: Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, I can I can see that. But like, imagine if that's your one thing on IMDb. Is that <laughs> you are that <laughs> yeah. limo driver? That was you're the one that shit himself in front of all oh, Google. It was it's, shocking.
2: It's, it's the, so bad. Even the 80s sort of montage music that played over the fight scene couldn't couldn't save this. And there's no reason why this shouldn't have been, at least so bad it was good. But it was just, it, the, the start of this film was, was astonishingly awful. But it does, I think it picks up in places
1: going forward. But we'll, uh, we'll see if you agree with that. Well, let's see. But what I do find really strange about about this as well is that I knew this scene happened. As I said, it's, I've already heard people talk about it. And I've seen it in, you know, clips of it online and stuff like that. I was shocked that it happened this early in the film. Yeah. Someone shits on 10 some. minutes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like 10, 15 minutes into the film. It's bizarre. Um, <clears throat> so next thing you know, Rip is in another office. There is a lot of conversations in offices. Yeah, in there show. is. Which again caught me off, ball, off guard. I was like, "It's not. This isn't like the Wharf of Wall Street. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> this is basically a film where people are just sat in offices pretty much for half of it." It's if Rocky He's... was
2: doing like this. Like basically, Rocky III is just his contract negotiations for uh, <laughs> like seventy-five minutes
1: of it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's fucking again. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's bizarre. Like there's so much stuff about this film that's really weird. But anyway, Rip is in another office. And he's introduced to Sam, who is his new agent, Samantha, who was played by the extraordinarily named Joan Severance. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't what? know what else she's been in, but no. that is a cracking name. Um, she's been in quite a few films. She's actually in uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Um, that's probably about the highlight of it, really. Um Yeah, she hasn't got exactly an incredibly stand career, as have no one, as has nobody,
2: really. No, what a shock this didn't boost anyone's career. Sam, (laughs) though, was intelligent and
1: aggressive as his new account executive, yeah. Yes, and Hulk Hogan, oh God, the way he looks at her up and down is stomach-churning it's just it's disgusting i've really disgusting. <laughs> hogan acts like he's
2: never seen a woman before and he's even aroused by sam's pen as she yeah. goes through this like thing of like what she, what uh what things he could get involved in and how they could do personal appearance around his matches and he's just sitting there salivating it's just it's vile absolutely vile and also in that lycra i can imagine probably it was difficult to hide what was going on downstairs while he was looking at sam
1: as well yeah it leaves very little to the imagination bear yeah. in mind that he's also just coming off the back of being being in the company of someone who's soiled himself. <laughs> yeah. To go from absolute disgust to clear arousal is quite is quite a quite a stretch really. Quite a change in fortunes for Mr. Hogan. Exactly. No, Mr. Rip. Sorry, Mr. Oh. Rip. So um Sam kind of yes, yeah, let's talk about merchandising, but he is I fucking the shit out of her, isn't it? He? <laughs> it's just yeah, so crazy. sick. Um <laughs> And then she starts kind of talking to him about his character work. And then all of a sudden he starts talking nonsensically about all the charity work that he does. And he starts <laughs> doing it in the third person.
2: Yeah, he does. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> it's just odd. And he says, I want to talk Rip, about... Rip loves it. his charity work. Put that in your brief is what. He, yeah. basically what he says, isn't it? Yeah. It's, 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 so, and, oh, it's so cringeworthy. And then he says, I can't talk about it now. Let's talk about it later over dinner, which she yeah. happens at eight o'clock. Um, she says she's going to pick him up and
2: he's really shocked and i, I suspect he's shocked that actually by 1989, rip <laughs> women
1: were in fact allowed to drive so yeah 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 like, oh my goodness and what i find <laughs> about this film is that, again we can discuss this a bit later. everyone keeps talking about how much of a good guy he is but i've I've seen no evidence of this yet.
3: <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> he's a horrid pervert wait to the
2: hotel wait to the
1: hotel yeah gaslighting yeah. all over the place exactly um yeah, that's awful. That's Yeah, that's... it's really awful. It's really awful. Um, so Sam and Rip arrive at the restaurant, which I don't know if you noticed the restaurant, but I'm pretty sure it's actually the set of a church.
2: Oh, it had a big stained glass
1: window of, like, uh, I don't want to get my religious
2: iconography wrong here. Maybe Mary, perhaps? Yeah. I don't know, yeah.
1: It's like they they kind of got onto set and they were like, well, so where's the restaurant set? And they're like, oh, we haven't got one. We've got a church there. And they're like... <laughs> Fuck it, put some tables down. No one will notice. (laughs) Uh, Rip, at this point, is wearing... At least he's wearing trousers. But he's wearing an all-white three-piece suit
2: yeah he is all no stops guy. pulled out for this big news big I can't even get the words out all stops pulled out for this big nose brunette and I as a as a fan of big nose brunettes I can't blame him for this to be honest
1: See, do you know what I've been meaning to ask you about this right so I I, I for, for a start I didn't think she had a particularly big nose really but uh, you, when you say big nose do you mean just big in general or do you mean like pronounced protruding big noses
2: um I mean uh fairly pronounced i'd say yeah yeah i think a bit like a big I, I i'm thinking she did i thought she did have a reasonably sized hooter but i feel like i want to go back and look at this now you're you're the expert so i'm not you know i was just wondering about it. but i think she qualified albeit though she was a very special brand of big nose brunette that is not necessarily my favorite because she's like i i've got a kind of average uh size nose but i've got blue eyes and she had light eyes as well so she's not the classic brunette dark-eyed brown-eyed girl uh, big nose, brunette so yeah perhaps yeah. i wouldn't have got the white suit out for her <laughs>
1: you should watch um uh white lotus season two because i have seen uh, it, yeah i've seen it yeah so you you're quite like the the hotel manager then i'd imagine <laughs> absolutely <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm now i'm now googling sam from no holds bar to see how big our nose actually was so let's have, let's have a little look yeah i think it's a reasonably substantial nose it's yeah.
1: certainly it's not the biggest in the world but it's certainly there so yeah yeah okay fair enough well i'm glad we got to the bottom of that um, <laughs> i want to quickly focus on um his suit um because a uh, rip suit because if you are going out to a restaurant for dinner while you are not all white you get the tiniest blob of ragu or bolognese or anything like that on that it's ruined the entire gabs ruined my note big time danger of spillages is my <laughs> note on this so yes exactly and also let's not forget he's just been in the company of someone who shit themselves that yep. person may have had some kind of virus if he caught oh. it then he could have shit himself as well in his white suit <laughs> absolutely <Danger>. so <laughs> airborne illness um so um they get there and Sam quite patronisingly says to Rip, "I hope there's something on the menu that you like." Then you're typically French. I'm saying French in inverted commas because he's about as French as I am. Is this yes. this actor? Um, comes along and starts talking in French and being very obnoxious to Rip and being very um. Kind of sniffy, very, very. sorry, not sniffy, sniffing around Sam, putting on the charm. It's very yeah. kind of only fools and horses. This bit, you know, the the kind of way that that this character is portrayed. Did you catch um, the
2: guy in the background?
1: I did. The other...
2: Yeah, yeah. I only, mean, I only caught that. So, so this is going on basically. What the French guy is like essentially saying, well, "You shouldn't be here," and giving all his attention to Sam. And there's a guy in the background that waves at Hogan. So it's like, okay, well, you know that Rip's been there before. He doesn't wave once. T- two waves is not enough. Three waves. thats It's like you've basically been smashing the face of the frying pan so that Hogan's been to this place before. So it's just, yeah, it's just so weird they repeated that three times. And I didn't spot that on the first viewing it. But
1: Hogan, or Rip, should I say, doesn't, awesome, really just doesn't acknowledge him until the no, third. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> so again, proving that he's not a good guy.
2: Why is this guy it. waving at me?
1: Why is one of the staff waving at me? Um. So... um. Anyway, the um, waiter waiter has been very patronizing, um, but then all the kitchen staff come over, including the manager, I assume, or the head chef, and starts paying tribute to rip. Um, the head chef tears the waiter a new asshole as Rip is a regular and asks Rip if he'd like the usual um, Rip's reply is "We, yes, chef," and Sam's <laughs> mind is absolutely blown, blown, blown absolutely it's, blown. <laughs> It's 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 an incredible it's an incredible scene. Again, this is what this is the, the idea. I can't I can't imagine anybody's written this other than like a fourteen year old boy, you know, because it's it's so an impression of what someone else may think is cool, but. Yeah absolutely isn't in the slightest now this film is written by someone called dennis hackin and the surname hack is incredibly appropriate for that man um but i cannot help but think that that's like a pseudonym for vincent man or i you think yeah. or vincent man had a huge input into this creative process because there is so much in here which is vincent we can come on to this again a little bit later um but it's it's oh yeah it's 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 very bad at this point. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, where are we going here? What have <laughs> I signed myself up with? This is about half an hour into the film, I think. Yes. And I'm yeah. like, Christ, what's going on? Um, so we are next at a bar. Um, and basically there are two blokes fighting in the middle of the bar in like a makeshift ring. It's some kind of fight club. Um, And I did think to myself, actually, I wonder if this is the idea, like where the idea for Shotgun Saturday Night came from. The briefly briefly televised bar-based wrestling show that WWF used to produce. Um, Brow and the other, I'm going to, for now on, I'm going to call the other two um, just the suits, because I can't remember their names, Ordway and Unger, but Brow and the suits turn up. Um, and um, just for some reason turns and says, America, don't you love it? <laughs> it's just bizarre. Um, they speak to a waitress who keeps on going <laughs> and oh, snorting So in those, gross, so gross. Which is horrible and supposes that they are looking for the gay bar across the street. A <laughs> you
2: know, little classy. bit of uh, homophobic jokes in 1980s,
1: yeah. Stay classy, stay classy. Yeah, stay classy, no holds Um she then sends them to a table at ringside. The waitress asks what they want, and they all ask for wine. And she says, "Oh, it's actually, get-
2: it's actually, uh, uh, what is it? It's a uh,
1: something whiskey on the rocks and a martini, actually." And yeah. she says, "I want to get laid." but people don't always get what they want or something yeah. like that. Brow orders three beers and tries to pay with a credit card, which they obviously don't take. <laughs> in
2: 1989. I was yeah. like, obviously not. Like no one would do that. They'd that's, have absolute rolls of cash, wouldn't they? It's such a bad, it's just stupid. But it's so also stupid.
1: They, they would have had those machines where you have to put the card in on like paper and like oh, yeah. slide it back and across. Like this is, it's so, it's so funny. I actually think that's quite a bit of underrated comedy in the film. Yeah. Um. But the um, they sit there, Brown orders three beers, as I said. There's a little man, uh, a little man in a cage above them who keeps throwing things. And I've said this before um, about the we talked about the Halloween Havoc. And I think it's Halloween Havoc 93 or 92 is an advert for it. And it's basically like um, Jake Roberts is in like a bar with all these or in like an underworld bar. And there's a little person in the bar. So oh, okay. you know everyone's evil. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of the sign of the times. That was what it meant. Because why else would a little person be in a bar unless he was really evil? That's how okay. it comes across. The fight continues. There's one guy in there who looks a lot like Mad Dog Vachon, I thought. Um, but it's not him.
2: Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, of the first and fighting
1: guys. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And they're fighting. Um, and Ordway, at this point, is really panicking <laughs> about being in the bar. <laughs> and then there is some bloke behind them who we later on find... To be called Bubba, who is wearing a cut off belly shirt and just screaming and going, Yeah, <laughs> and not saying anything. Um, one of the suits, I think is Ordway, um, starts asking him questions about where the referee is, and Bubba spits uh, some chewing tobacco over his shoe.
2: You know who Bubba is? Do you, do you know who, have you got Bubba, who Bubba is in your. Uh, Stan yeah. Hansen?
1: Oh, that's who Stan Hansen Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. I see. Stan the man. As, as yeah. known as. Um, he spits chewing gum tobacco on a shoe and tells Unger, it's Unger actually, that the ref's at the bar, and then you see the referee getting tanked up at the bar, <laughs> and explains that only the last man standing was, it wins, you just don't kill anyone. The guy who looks at Mad Dog wins, and Bubba then jumps in the ring. To fight the man who looks like Vashon as the bloodthirsty crowd watches on. Now, the thing I will note actually, I said that the uh, that Brawl tries to pay with a credit card. He actually pays with cash, and then says uh, that he'll give the rest of the change to Bubba if he fights. And Bubba happens to be the snorty waitress's just uh, brother. So it's brother, all, yes, yeah, lots of, you know, lots of real good stuff in there. I think <laughs> um, this is this seems so weird because what happens then is that there's just i guess to really kind of show how horrible this bar is and these people are they show footage of there's a woman and a man sat on a table behind them and then just for no reason the woman just starts beating the man up <laughs> and there's no context to it it just happens right. it's it's really really Unusually, unusual, should I say? The suits then basically say they need to go to the toilet. One of them goes up to uh, someone and says, I, "Where can I go to bleed the lizard?" <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's a very strange line. And there's fighting going on all over the bar at this point as well. It's just turned into basically a mass brawl. And the toilet is called the VD room. They walk into the toilet and the urinals are overflowing. And there's a rabid dog in there just at the end. The two suits then slag off the place in a manner which is so deeply unpleasant. They're calling everyone scum of the earth, thick as pig shit, And I imagine this is what Vince thinks about wrestling fans. Yeah, probably him and Kevin Dunn have had this conversation verbatim.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I think this is, as you, as you said, yeah, there's so much, I think there's so much Vince in this. And I think he's the kind of, I can imagine he would find a massive amount of humor in someone dressed up in like a really nice suit, trying to go in there, someone to have have a, have a wee and just be confronted with all this grime and not want to touch anything. Basically. Yeah. This is, this is Vince toilet humor all over it.
1: Exactly. And then, As they're slang off the place, they hear a noise and they look, and somebody's in the store. And out comes Bubba, and then he walks over and crouches down to waist height and seemingly examines their penises (laughs) and then mocks the size of them as that's calling them tiny wangers. Tiny wangers. (laughs)
2: Basically, these two guys got saved from a Stan Hansen beatdown because of how small their cocks were, and <laughs> I was really hoping that Stan Hansen was going to dunk them in the piss troughs. Yep. But I was left disappointed, unfortunately. I think the whole world wanted to see that, but yeah, I was left disappointed.
1: That is a hundred percent what I was expecting to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and talking about that, talking about that, there is a bar in Bristol. It's like a, it's called the Hatchet. We've discussed it on the podcast before. Um. And the hatchet is like quite—it's like a heavy metal pub in the centre of Bristol. It's quite old. Apparently, the door is made of human skin. Um, yeah, it's an old because it's obviously a port city. It's Bristol. It's an old like it's an old like sailors' hangout, effectively. Mm. But obviously now it's, it's not that anymore. Um, but what the reason I bring up is I haven't been in there for a while, and by all accounts, it's been done up again. It's been nicer. But there used to be a trough owner in there. Every Friday and Saturday night would be. Dangerously close to overfilling oh, every time. It was horrible. It was, and it made me think of that. And I was just like, yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing where you go, you go into the toilet, and you'd be like, I don't need to go anymore, <laughs> or you'd be like, I'm gonna leave, find another bar, if necessary, order a drink in there, use their toilet, come back to the hatchet. You,
2: know? you don't want that coming over the top and
1: landing on your jeans, do you? Really? Like, it's exactly, not the one, yeah. Exactly not, mate. Exactly not. Um. So. We then get a press conference where Brawl announces the kind of premiere of the Battle of the Tough Guys and says that it's open to any man in America and there's a prize of $100,000 for the winner. And we see lots of working class men, <laughs> i.e. builders, welders, any number of things that you can think of. There's a trucker in there as well, isn't there, I believe, yeah. Definitely. And that's what it is. They've redone the bar a little bit. Um, so, they've got a sign outside saying Battle of the Tough Guys, and they've kind of put up an eight sided ring in there, which is, uh, again, I couldn't help but think of TNA <laughs> in yeah. there. I yeah. sided, but I couldn't help but think of that. And we're introduced to a couple of wrestlers. So, we first meet Brick Chisler. Oh, I've written Brock Chisler. Oh, <laughs> well, no, it, it is Brock Chisler,
2: actually, not Brick. Oh, Chisler, okay. I'm going to
3: ask Brock. him what his
2: finishing move
1: is. His finishing yeah. move is, uh, yeah. That's worse <laughs> than Dookie. Yeah, Bulldog McPearson and Klandyke Kramer. Um, <laughs> the suits start sucking up to Brawl who were uh, basically telling him how much they had amazing ideas. And then Buddy co- comes on again and calls them the tiny wangers. Just <laughs> doubling down on that joke. Yeah, the tiny wanger crew. There was a great line from Brelin uh,
2: in here when the, the tiny wanger crew said, who do you like best? And Brel said, all of them, they're all scum. It was just so good. Breil is absolutely brilliant best there.
1: Again, I can just imagine Vincent Mann saying that. Yeah, 100%. So it turns out Brow is the host and there's a montage of a fight between two of the guys. I can't remember I can figure out who they were. The door then knocks down and in comes Zeus. A waitress comes up to him and he picks her up by her face and then drops yeah. her into a barrel whilst screaming.
2: And Brow is immediately aroused by this. So um yeah, unbelievable. This film was was PG thirteen in America and 15 here. Why is this film so adult? There's lots of there's and there's more adult stuff to come in this. There's not pints and pints of blood uh, at any point really. Uh, spoiler alert, but there is some adult stuff that happens in this film. And I, I surely this should have been very cookie cutter for for kind of Hulk Hogan's audience because what what you know what parents are taking their you know what would be you know what eight to uh, eight upwards maybe a bit younger than eight would have been yeah. the, the the Hulk Hogan demographic target really so. Yeah, I thought was, some of this stuff was a little bit bizarre.
1: Well, the whole thing's very confused, isn't it? Because you're right, yeah. it doesn't seem to know what audience is. Because the, the the Rip character is basically Hulk Hogan, who we know is aimed at a younger demographic. But a younger demographic isn't going to be interested in all this boardroom chat. So, no, like, exactly, yeah. The film doesn't know what it is, does no. it? Like The person who wrote it has basically got a load of ideas and they haven't made it gritty and grimy enough because it's still quite camp. Yeah. They haven't made it gritty and grimy enough to be suitable really for adults. But like you said, it's too, there's some very dark adult themes in this, which i yeah. will have to later. Yeah. Um, and again, that is really weird. And it's just, it's very juvenile. That's the word yeah. I used to describe this film. And there's quite a bit of either implied or, in this instance, quite clear and explicit violence against women. There really is. Yeah, there really is. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's... bizarre. Very strange. I've used that word too. I've overused the word bizarre, but that's the only word I can use to describe it. At some point, as Zeus kind of enters the room, I, I don't know how he appears to have like knocked down a wall or like opened up <laughs> an, a door that wasn't there before to get in because he's basically silhouetted against this massive, bright, smoky light, and I've got no idea where he's come mm. from. Again, it's a he cool his
2: lighting rig with him.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's, it's like a cool visual that someone thinks this is going to look mint. But then yeah. but then it makes no sense. They've done <laughs> no way to, to they've worked in no way to incorporate that visual into the storyline of the film to make it make any sense whatsoever. Everyone backs away. There's lots of females screaming and running away and blokes looking panicked, but at the same time, Zeus is just going Aah! the entire time as well. Brel says, Let him fight. Which he does and then beats up. Whilst at the same time this is happening, Rip, Randy, and Charlie And another friend of Charlie's, who we later, or I don't think he's ever actually named in the film, um, but he is
2: Craig.
0: Craig, yeah, Craig.
2: Or Craig, as I call him in uh, in the
0: States.
1: Yeah, Craig. Craig, yeah, Craig. Um, I'm watching on TV. Rip is in extraordinarily tiny shorts. Yep. he's wearing tiny shorts a tiny vest and a black bandana he's obviously with the exception of the scene in which he's going out for the meal with uh, with Sam Rip is bandanaed up for the entire yeah. film but he, he's a man of class so when it comes to getting putting his Sunday best on he doesn't put the bandana on it's classy no. man Um Charlie. Used to, we find out then that Charlie used to be Zeus's trainer, but he couldn't control him, so he let him go. Um, it's then alleged that Zeus killed someone after the bell and went to prison. Then we cut back to the bar, and Zeus rips out his opponent's hair and yeah. then yells a lot, showing it to people. The suits chuckle, and Braille does as well. Braille then goes into the ring and announces Zeus as the winner. Zeus says that his name is Zeus, and at this point I wondered to myself if this was going to be Zeus's only line of dialogue in the film. Does he say anything else? Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. But, okay. I think there's only two lines of dialogue in this film. Wow. And what I did appreciate that about this a little bit is that there like, that Rip and his friends are watching it and are a little bit concerned about what's happening. And you get a little bit of backstory about Zeus at least. Now, what I did find a bit weird is that of course the only two black characters in the film know each other yeah <laughs> because we know that everyone of the same race knows everyone else um <laughs> at least it's a bit I of a them. classic 80s trope there isn't it and i did it also is. wonder the
2: the, the the trainer i want i they would kind of I'd do a bit of a takeoff of uh was it Duke in I, I guess you're probably not super familiar with the Rocky films but Apollo Creed's trainer that then went to work with Rocky uh, I wondered if that was kind of a vibe they were going for there as well so like another kind of poor sort of take off of something else that was a bit more popular
1: very possibly it would yeah. not surprise me in the slightest um so next thing we're in the boardroom and everybody is reading, oh, the, the, board reading. Yeah. Oh, the boardroom again yeah the boardroom again yeah they are back in the boardroom and everyone's reading the newspaper and Brow says that they're number one and kicked ass. Um, but then there are loads of complaints sent in via telegram to the to the <laughs> network. But Brow doesn't care as complaints keep them in the business. Again, this is Vincent Man. Yeah. This is Vincent Mann saying, I don't care what I put on TV, how offensive it is, if people don't like it, that's even better because we will have notoriety. Yeah, At this point, I was like, this is this is the most Vincent Mann part in the film yeah. so far. It's time.
2: Yeah, it's it this is this is not a bad film actually. You get the kind of kind of there's a couple of suits in it, the kind of like babyface suits, and they bring out these telegrams and all Bros bro just doesn't care. It's all about the money, violence keeps them in the headlines. Let's just let's just carry on. Yeah, it's it's yeah,
1: it's so true I think. So next thing we've got um Battle of the Tough Guys, second episode, has uh Ludwig Perkins versus Zeus in what is effectively an industrial complex. So some kind of nondescript factory. Um but there's actually no ring. Either. Industrial arena they called it, which I yeah. Yes, that's right. And I don't know if it's some kind of factory or if it's some kind of plant or I don't know. Um, but I must admit, I actually really like the aesthetics of this bit. Mm. Yeah. It made me think of like The Running Man um, or, you know, any one of those dystopian 80s action films. And it really, really liked I really liked it. Um, Ludwig has a wrench, a giant wrench as well. Again, I don't know what he's doing what it would actually be used for in real life, because um, it's so comedically large. Um, but he's still no match from Zeus. Brows watching from a suite, and uh, Ordway, for some reason, has been given a camera for his birthday, a video his camera. video is his life, he says. Yes. <laughs> he's walking around filming everyone. Which, yeah. <laughs> again. Are you a pervert? Yeah, exactly. And it's not mentioned at all at any point in the film. It's just no. like, it's such a, a a weird little point. They were like, do you know, what? that's a bit of character development for Odd Way. film. it's yes. <laughs> Like
2: Dawson from Dawson's Creek, love film, didn't he? Perhaps that's he? Uh, perhaps that's why. Oh, you not watched Dawson's Creek? Ah, uh, haven't mate. What, about, what about the OC? No, no, no. no oh, no. you missed out there. I don't. Missed... I, I don't know if I have. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> the OC was so good. I, I rewatched the OC last year. I think all the way through all four series. So. I would recommend that but I do like a teen drama so if that's not your genre of choice then
1: I don't I don't mind a coming of age and I don't mind a I don't mind a Peter Engel produced teen drama so Save by the bell basically by the bell you know California uh, dreams Malibu CA City guys oh well
2: Oh, Oh, (laughs) City guys had a great theme tune as well didn't it See, uh, uh, see
1: where you can see t- cool in
2: streetwise or <laughs> something like that, wasn't it? It was, it was really, really great, yeah. How yeah, about a um, real rea- not to get off too till talk about as well? How about like reality or scripted reality, like a Laguna Beach or the Hills
1: or anything like that? Not really. The only one that I really like is and the one the only one I've ever liked is the Jersey Shore. Yeah, Jersey Shore is really good. I watched so all I, of those basically, yeah. Especially the original like, the first four seasons, up to the season where they go to Florence in Italy, yeah. is, co- is comedy gold. It's amazing. George the Jesse is so good. Situation and Ronnie get into the fight in the hotel room in the in Series 4, and the Situation knocks himself out on the wall. Oh, my God. Arguably, like, I put that up there with, I am the one who knocks from Breaking Bad as being one of the greatest <laughs> moments in television history. I have to agree with you. Um, yeah, no, so like yeah, reality TV's never really done it for me, but the Jersey shot, I don't know why, it just happened to it happened to just get me at the right it time. Um, imagination at the it right did, time, yeah. like, I used to love like GTL, T shirt time, you know, yeah, like yeah. all that stupid <laughs> thing. The cabs are here, you know, all these stupid cabs things. Are here, are awesome. yeah. So good. But what I have noticed, like, so like series five wasn't very good, and series six, the last, uh, last season of the original run, was really crap because the situation was sober. I think um, they gave up in series six, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when they brought it back again, because it's still running now, isn't it, Jersey Shore? Yeah, I've Family
2: tried. Day. I tried the reboot. I think I maybe watched the whole of the first series of the reboot. But I, I think I've given up.
1: I kind of liked it because so you want to talk about a babyface turn from the situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Genuinely, <laughs> clean his life up. Seems like genuinely like a lovely guy now. But yeah. then I remembered, and I'm like, these were all like. Over forty year old still acting like this. <laughs> that was oh. when I had to kind of I was like, do you know what? There's a time and a place for it, but I mean, Paulie D, I love your blowout. It's amazing. Yes, but have a word for yourself. <laughs> um, it's true. It's true. It's true. Um. So um. Right. Where the fuck are we? Oh yeah. we um, um. Zeus killed the Ludwig. Basically, I think. Yes. And then um. Yeah. So basically um, Braille's watching from the suite. Um. Ordway has his camera, and um. Braille says that he will lead Zeus like he will lead Rip, and I don't really know what that means. Um, Zeus destroys Ludwig as the construction workers look on Horrified, and again there's just, what we haven't really done, and I don't think there's a way we can possibly ever really truly give a good representation of the noises that are made during the fight scenes, like the yelling and the grunting is so over the top that I don't think we can really truly Give an accurate reflection of it on this podcast no and i don't i
2: wouldn't even say it's comedic it's like it's anno- it's 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 annoying it's oh so over the top that it's it's not yeah it's not it's not like fun it's just yeah it's just it's ridiculous is what it is really it's terrible really really bad
1: so have you seen Total recall I have not seen Total, total Recall, okay. I'm afraid. So we, we are fucking ships in the night. With our <laughs> That's what we really are. Um, he, there's Arnold Schwarzenegger in multiple parts in the film, right at the beginning and right at the end, is he ends up in Mars and um his um oxygen mask is compromised and he can't breathe. Mm. And he is constantly going, ah, ah, like that. Um, and I've and, heard that noise, but I don't know where it's from. So here we go, yeah. yeah. So you've so, cleared um, that up for me. It, it basically... Those and that only happens in very a couple of very small segments of the film. And mm. it's very bearable in that instance. It's not in about I don't think I proposed I supposed earlier in the in the episode what kind of percentage of it. It's gotta be about 40% grunting, I think, in this film, at the le- at the lowest. Yeah, of big time. It. It's constant. Um so the next thing we see after the uh, the fight in the in the industrial arena, that Sam is in a limo on the phone to someone. But she hangs up quickly as Rip turns up and introduces her to his brother, Randy. This there's no need for this to happen at any point. No. The only reason I think this has happened is that I believe at this moment they've probably realized that they haven't said that Randy is his brother or given or told us his name yet uh he says randy right at the start
2: but it's so quiet you can barely hear it so when yeah. he comes out down down the ice, he says, come on randy but you don't know his brother but bro- oh and also gene says something about um they're so close it's, it's more like father and son oh. since their parents died because i know my notes i've got old Crimea river basically so which is a bit harsh really so because be- <laughs> becoming an orphan is not that fun so yeah
1: <laughs> no um <laughs> <laughs> Dope shame of rip how yeah. have we, how we raised such an asshole um there's we'll plenty go- of good there's
2: plenty of good stuff with his brother coming up there's oh. one amazing scene oh god i'm just even thinking about it i'm laughing about it at the end but sorry back to you tom we'll get there we'll get there
1: yeah he introduces a uh, uh randy to her. rip is in a lovely blue lycra number at Mm. this point as well blue and white rip and sam are on a jet end up on like a private jet and arranging everything about what they want to do but rip says i want to book the restaurant the next scene is immediately in this restaurant and it's kind of like a like a a diner isn't it what you well i've got i've got a little so i've broken this down scene
2: by scene, and i've got scene 12 some rank diner is what i put my in my notes for this so yeah it's not the
1: best is it really no, and the waitress in the restaurant turns up and says that Rip is a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Rip then mercilessly flirts with the waitress. She says, she's a whole lot of a woman. <laughs> and it was like, what? What? Yeah. It's it's like it's so weird. Basically they're what they effectively say is that she's got fat. But yeah. Rip- But Rip is such a nice guy that even though she's this fat, grotesque woman, he'll still flirt with her and (laughs) make her day. (laughs) I'll I'll
2: still give you one. It's all right. I think her name's Sadie. Yeah, Sadie. Sadie. That's right. Yeah. Um, All of a sudden, two gunmen turn up. Obviously. Obviously. What else would you get? Because a diner is you always get armed robberies diners, don't you? Because they've got so much money in the till, I don't think. But yeah,
1: there we go. Pulp fiction will tell us anything. Maybe that's where he got maybe that's where Tarantino got the idea from. Perhaps him. it is, yeah. Maybe Perhaps you it the old is. You know, diner, <laughs> amazing. They turn up and they start uh, you know waving their guns around and stuff. Rip then says, When I when I move, you duck under the table, or something of that effect to Sam yeah. and then immediately moves. So she has to duck under the table. He throws a <laughs> stall at one of the men and then throws a selection of pies <laughs> he's holding a gun and he's not shooting because
2: he's getting like a pie in by some ham and a dessert thrown at him like
1: surely you just like you just stand there and shoot Rip dead didn't you but, and take also, the money and go Rip is massive he's a pretty big target yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> um, he then beats them both up trashing the restaurant he causes
2: as much damage to this definitely uninsured restaurant as he possibly could doesn't he he doesn't need to
1: do it he doesn't need to do it That's exactly what I thought. He gets a standard ovation, and I'm there thinking they'd have been better off getting robbed. (laughs) He's never
2: going to trade again. Yeah,
1: yeah, because one, yeah, it's a safety hazard because they've got men with guns and lunatic roided up men in blue throwing pies and stalls at everyone. But also the amount of damage this cause is massively going to outweigh how much their insurance premiums are going to be in the future. 100%. 100%. (laughs) Awful. But then the camera lingers on Sam and she looks very impressed. Yeah,
2: she does. So, and Sadie called, she said, that's my man, isn't it? <laughs> so, you know, like, I'm not sure it is, but yeah, there we go. It's, a,
1: again, it's just the fantasy of someone who thinks that this seems really cool.
2: Yeah, it and is. That's, yeah.
1: that's the sort of behaviour that you need to exhibit to impress a woman. Like Hogan doesn't need to save people from an armed robbery in this film. It just doesn't need to happen. But there we go. No. Yeah but no there we go again you i can't can't help but think that he must have had some input into this creative process Mm. because there's no way that anybody who was writing a film would ever put this scene in there um then we get to a shot of a very grotty looking hotel room (laughs) and a voiceover which is a bit weird and the voiceover is happening between rip and sam whilst we're just looking at the empty hotel room yeah it's yeah it's crap um so uh, basically, the 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 gist is there's only one room available. Um, they should have had two rooms, but there's only one, which has got one double bed. Sam huffs off to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, Rip is wearing a different vest, a red vest, and some tiny shorts. They're booty shorts, aren't they? That's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. sick. He's, he's Daisy Dukin all over the place. Isn't what he? is like,
2: going on? What is going on? I did not see, need to see those tanned upper thighs. It just wasn't, yeah. The
1: thing is, we're used to seeing Hulk Hogan's legs. Yeah, we are, actually. This is weird, isn't it? It's like a weird thing. There's something about the shorts which made it... So much more sexual. I didn't think sexual. of that. Yeah, it was yeah. uncomfortably
2: sexual, but we see him in pants all the time. But it's like, I guess that's the look. Yes, yeah, that's weird. That's a really, that, that requires some, maybe that's another podcast. Why did we find Hogan's <laughs> sexy shorts offensive, but we don't mind him in trunks. But yeah. I mean, that's, that's
1: <laughs> I think we probably might need to to some kind of therapy after this. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think we
1: do. Crikey, those booty shorts. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. And I think maybe it's because he's, barefoot and has nothing else on maybe because he doesn't have the boots and knee pads on which yeah. he would at this stage in the evening um and so he's bought these to try and
2: seduce her presumably these these shorts maybe maybe yeah yeah
1: maybe it's just again it's just like a really weird like, he wants he just wanted in, in reality Hulk Hogan just wanted to show off his legs
2: yeah, I guess he did,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and to be fair, they're quite muscular. and oh, Lovely legs, yeah. <laughs> lovely I'll be thinking shirt. about
2: those later, yeah. <laughs> lovely pins on
1: him. Uh, Sam is in the bathroom. They've had a bit of an argument because, you know, he's basically said it's her, it's her company's fault, they should have put two rooms. She huffs off into the bathroom and um, is basically cleaning her teeth whilst Rip tapes up a curtain, dividing the bed into two. Then it shows them both for a long time brushing their teeth, and then using mouthwash.
2: Yeah, but Hogan's in the bedroom doing it, and she's on the other side of the wall in the bathroom, so, and then he swallows the mouthwash because he's disturbed by her, basically, which is weird. Yeah. But I hold on, but are they brushing their teeth for general hygiene reasons like you would do, or are they brushing their teeth because they think they're going to get down, but she hasn't decided whether she wants to go there as of yet? Because obviously there's there's something to come about Sam that we don't know at this point. Uh, so yeah. what's the... You know, are they are they... Brushing toots for a bit of
1: a snog, or what? Potentially, but then, and also, what they're also doing at the same time is, whilst this is going on, because this toothbrushing scene goes on for quite a while, yeah. and they keep walking over and then listening to the wall to see what the other person's up to, and it turns out they're just brushing their teeth. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's there's no big mystery here. There's, yeah, no, exactly. They're doing what people usually do before they go to bed. Sam comes out of the bathroom in just her underwear. Mm. And then has a good old stare at Rip's ass as he's bent over. A good old, a good old look. There is then a an attempt at some kind of sexual tension, but it's done so badly that it just doesn't come across that. And Rip starts just flirting with her and then gaslighting her. I don't have, unfortunately, I didn't write down any of the lines, but the the uh, again, it's the it's such a an example of what someone thinks is cool. Yeah, what's, so, what's so I've, I've got a couple.
2: So, so we basically, Sam said that she she's just too busy to date, and Hogan says it must get lonely. And I thought, come on, Rip, you're better, you're better than that, you're better than that. Um, but then, but then I must say, on the second viewing, this is how nuanced Hogan's acting was. I think it was maybe not he wasn't gaslighting. I think we were supposed to read between the lines here that actually he was lonely himself because he was too busy to date and i didn't get that so the first time i watched it i was like this is like hogan's this is not a babyface situation here because he's sort of trying to you know gaslight her into bed essentially but then the second time i did think that it was it was because he was lonely himself so who knows who knows what jeff hack or whatever his name was it wrote it was going for <laughs> i have a feeling that you may have been gaslit by this
1: film <laughs> Wait till my rising out of ten at the end. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so um anyway, they have a bit of a not an argument, but they both stropped off to their you know, respective sides of the bed. Uh and presumably both go, both go to sleep. Sam Uh Sam then wakes up and the bed is shaking and Rip is pounding the mattress. He's ripping and himself. Breathing very, very heavily. Um it then appears that he's wanking, or at least that's how it seems. It's a wanking joke. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. Um. Sam peeks around the cur- curtains, and he's doing push-ups with his legs on the bed, wearing only a red thong. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh my God! It's just I don't know why, why, why would yeah. you do that? Surely he's worked out in the day as well. But then that that made it. That, see that for me made it kind of more the sinister vibe here, especially what happened next as well.
1: Well, yeah. So Sam then tries to go back to sleep. Rip then peers over the curtain, round the <laughs> and <laughs> then jumps onto the bed with such force that Sam flies through the air and flops on top of him. Terrible. Rip then berates sam <laughs> and says that he's gonna go to sleep on the couch in the lobby he said to her
2: that she's be- she's uh he moans about her building walls and says he's off to the lobby as the couch has a better sense of humor than her um this is after he's forced her into the air and to fall on him because there's no he didn't get into the bed like that earlier on that he did that deliberately so yeah this was um this was a weird old scene and off, off to the off to the off to the couch he 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 goes, and then we get a big reveal in the
1: next one, don't we? What a fucking prick. Yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah. Prick. <laughs> he's just oh such a scumbag. And now this is the scene that this is the scene that really killed me, right? Yeah. Turns out the big reveal that you've said, Sam is actually working undercover for Bral. Yes. And she is getting chastised by Bral for not seducing
2: Rip. Hmm. He he'd messed up the ho- he's mess he'd mess up the hotel booking. In yeah, the hope that she would seduce him. Um, but we're not clear on. I guess she's trying to get him to World Television Network, isn't it? But that's not really overtly said.
1: No. Um. But then Sam says, "I couldn't do it because he's such a nice guy." <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, he flung me up in the air and forced me to land on him. But I just couldn't. I couldn't. He's too nice. Yeah. He, he saved sh- that Sadie from an armed robbery. You know, come on.
1: Yeah, he stripped off in the room and took a pair of me over a curtain (laughs) like an absolute pervert, but he's still a nice guy. Um, And then Brel then slaps her. He said though, first he ate nice guys for breakfast. I wonder if that was the,
2: the, uh, where the inspiration for shooting McGavin's eat piece of shit for breakfast came for, came from uh, is one of the best lines in cinematic history. Wow.
1: Um, he slaps her.
2: He does. Yeah.
1: Like, that's a bit much yeah but this like that's quite
2: unpleasant yeah and see. this is again we talked about it this is a film that is starring hulk hogan kids kids and family favorite and you've got a woman being slapped and even the small penis guys here look shocked and worried about this development yeah brow. so yeah yeah this was pretty yeah not great
1: unsavory was this wasn't it really and i guess this is the part where brow really starts becoming unhinged yeah even more so, doesn't it? Because he's not done anything overtly evil as of yet, has he? Well, apart from the, I guess the li- he did arrange
2: the limo thing like right the start, didn't he? So yeah, I guess so. I guess okay. the garage guys probably were going to kill Rip. I guess so. I'd say that's probably it's probably quite evil. Probably fair. quite evil. Yeah, <laughs> probably quite evil. Um, uh, so um, this bit is hideous. This is, the next bit is Sam oh, yes, turns yes. up at um at Rip's house admits that she was basically working for brell um and rip just forgives her because he's wearing a really small pair of shorts essentially
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he is. but things are she, she turns up to this house saying how bad brell is and how she's even worse for letting herself be used um she begs for forgiveness rip forgives her but then says that the hotel will send her a bill for breaking the bed to which they both then laugh and flirt and then have a little kiss on the sofa yeah i do just, the least sexy thing I've ever seen. It, like, it was weird, wasn't it? It was weird. Yeah. I was going to say, he
2: accidentally turns the TV on with his big ass. And there's an interview with Zeus. And he's calling out uh, World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, isn't he? So, yeah.
1: Yeah, he calls that rip and he says he's waiting for him. Um, the next scene we get is it some kind of, over in like a sports day, where Rip is refereeing an amateur wrestling match. Well there's a big there's a big sign. There's a big banner that says Rip's
2: Kids Sports. Rip's Kids Sports. <laughs> <laughs> or it might have been Rip's Sport for Kids, actually, but one of the two. It's like it's arranged a sports day, because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. He's a lovely guy. Really um, nice man.
1: And then what happens is that a helicopter lands and it's Zeus Brow and the the the, the tiny wangers small dick crew yeah 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 yeah, yeah. tiny wangers um or weenie wangers
2: it was actually wasn't it i think weenie
1: wangers um and they they turn up and are walking towards them in what i've described as a really unnecessarily long slow motion walk towards them um and this is the point where i noticed that that brow isn't that much shorter than zeus Mm. he's quite a giant man himself Braille says that Rip is backed down and that Zeus is the undisputed champion and they all walk off. And it's at this point where I've noticed that Randy's dressed up like a clown. I was, yeah, didn't know that's that. <laughs> and he's just stood next to Rip looking really sad. He's had a hard life, Randy. <laughs> yeah. um, so the next scene is Charlie. Uh, the back of Rip's house and he tells him that Rip, that he's proud of him. And that uh, Charlie thinks that Rip Shouldn't ever wrestle him because yeah. he's just too dangerous. Sounds like a bit of a chicken
2: shit out. It sounds a bit like a chicken shit out wave. I can't remember that again. A chicken Basically. shit out. There we go. Thank you very much. That's what it sounds like to me. But yeah, very um, Adrian in Rocky Four. This is. I can't do it. Suicide. Yeah. Oh, oh.
1: It's, it's just. Yeah. It's it's a proper like 80s trope, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, the next. Uh, oh the dear. Next, as we get Sam in a garage, and someone tries to rape her. Yeah, and that is what it was. Because he, yeah. he said he said something like
2: uh, when he, when this the attacker turned up in the car park, Brell told me it's party time with you or it's fun time yeah. with you. Yeah, And he, yeah. It's it's just w- really really odd the way they did they did this in this film. Yeah,
1: and basically. I don't know how Rip... I can't, I, it was undetermined how Rip gets there. He was on a motorbike, obviously, because, again, it's kind of like a bit, bit of a midlife crisis film as well as a teenage boy film. And Rip turns up and drives his motorbike up the attacker's ass <laughs> <laughs> and launches him into a tree, laughing the entire time. Hey, yes! Yes, Tom! So he's just found his girlfriend who's who's
2: being assaulted... And he is laughing his ass off while he's chasing him around on the bike. And it's just like, surely you'd be... What,
1: what is that emotion? And then he switches when he goes back to it, doesn't he? And But the, he switches. And when he comes back to Sam, as she's sat on the floor, kind of... Oh. And he walks over to her and he goes, I hate it when you're hurt. Or scared. Or scared. <laughs> <laughs> is, so it's that line that line because I think it's all I think it's been dubbed over because you didn't actually see his mouth move either is the worst delivered line in the entire film
2: is that bit she says I know it sounded to that line sounded like Trevor in EastEnders about 100 years ago well I can't even remember the name of the the wife that he was beating up but that sounded like a classic wife beater line like, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really sorry the next
1: day he just that was it was awful yeah awful. definitely yeah it's awful So, next thing you know, we've got Randy and Craig uh, turn up at the industrial fight place to watch uh, Zeus batter someone, effectively. They kind of start watching, and as they start to leave, the suits arrive, and Randy bumps into them. It's at this point that Randy is outed as Rip's brother, and they get forcibly taken to Zeus. Uh, Zeus says that Rip is yellow, and Randy, in what I can only describe as a terrible piece of decision-making tries to attack Zeus, but to no avail. Zeus kicks the shit out of him. (laughs) And there's this look. There's a bit where the camera lingers on Brel's face, and he looks either absolutely terrified or completely aroused. (laughs) I like this second one. Oh my god! Randy screams when Zeus
2: is choking him. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I I can't can't believe it. I was writing. Zeus then kicks the hell out of him until he's lying on the floor, presumably dead. R.I.P. Rips brother. Like this is so good. I like. Yeah. Why? Why was he there in the first place? What are you thinking, Randy?
1: What are you thinking? (laughs) scream is so high-pitched it's (laughs) it's like can you remember this is years ago now it's very specific but can you remember back in the day the highbury screamer oh no i can't no, no no so back at highbury there used to be someone who sat behind one of the nets and every time arsenal conceded just before the bull went into the net, you could hear their scream. This rings a bell. Was this on Soccer AM or something? About like yes. 1996
2: or something like that. Yeah, yeah, this does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's
1: the exact same tone as the hybrid scream. <laughs> so maybe it was um, maybe it was Randy. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was, it was just... It was a completely different level of scream. It was just... Uh, yeah.
1: Oh, crikey. So this next scene is something else. Rip breaks into <laughs> Zeus's gym and screams Zeus top volume and has a bit of a breakdown and starts smashing up the gym. There's a television playing a loop of brow, presumably that Zeus watches where he is effectively brainwashing him, telling him that Rip thinks he's a maggot and that he'll beat him. Um, Rip then goes into a, a room with a load of mirrors and a Zeus hologram projecting on it, and <laughs> he then thinks that it's Zeus and destroys a mirror. And there's like there's a Rip poster on the wall, which the same one that was in the boardroom earlier is yeah all, I didn't all of the gym, which I don't understand why that
2: was this Zeus's was this actually Zeus's gym?
1: It's a bit that oh. I I couldn't
2: establish or was this a gym? Yeah, I don't know why it was there, really. Or whether they'd done this to a gym that Rip
1: used. I, I didn't really get it, really. Well, there's a giant Z on the wall. Oh, OK. Well, that it makes, makes more sense. sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, what we- is, so the uh, suits are watching from their boardroom. Um, and Rip throws a weight into a giant light-up Z that is in the, that is somewhere in the gym. Um, and then somehow Rip can hear them, which is... Very weird. Like he, yeah. like he hears them, sees the CCTV footage, and then throws a pole directly into the camera, which he then laughs at hysterically. Yeah. After yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Rip's got some severe mental health problems. Rick's, Rick, Rick, Rip's not a well man at all.
2: But he he should have gone on to represent the United States of America at Barcelona '92 with this this ja, javelin ability. I suppose accuracy is not really the thing in javelin; it's distance. But
1: yeah, this was an incredible moment of skill from our hero here. I know. Directly into this, I couldn't. He couldn't do that again. I reckon that might have been an accident. Um. the <laughs> so next thing we got Randy in the hospital. Rip is by his side. Sam and Charlie are also there. I think Craig might be there as well, actually. Rip says that he's proud that he stood up to Zeus, but it's his turn now. Randy wakes up, and <laughs> both brothers begin to cry.
2: <laughs> Rip, Rip's wearing laced-up gloves
1: for this hospital,
2: hospital, but it's this touching moment. Of course, what else would you do to visit your dying brother?
1: Yeah, it's just mad. And then what What I also like about this, there's some really crap flute in the background as well the this scene. <laughs> it's really awful. Um, the next thing you get is Brel, he stood in a wrestling ring and he announces the Battle of the Tough Guys final, Rip versus Zeus so finally, we've got the fight Um, now this is a bit where you kind of, there's a bit of a montage kind of here, but I'd say it's a montage but it's it's not really Um, Zeus is punching through breeze blocks, then (laughs) Rip is with Randy as he's getting lowered into some kind of giant (laughs) bath Zeus
2: is training his arse off for this and Ra- Ra- rip is randy's r- like physiotherapist it's like, like it's like you probably need to training for
1: this rip otherwise you can get your face ripped off um, it's, yeah it's but the things so it, it, the, the visual of randy being lowered is very similar to austin on the undertaker symbol the way he's kind yeah. of it's like this enormous bath that he drops in I'm assuming some kind of hydrotherapy pool. But again, it's not explained what it is. Or <laughs> he just whether.
2: stinks. He hasn't had a wash for tea. weeks. exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he turned up
1: humming at the fight, and he stinks even worse now. So yeah. Um, um, Zeus is also then working out on a rowing machine with the video that was in the previous scene of um, Brel basically saying, Rip thinks you're a cunt. You don't like your <laughs> mum. He said. He told me you've got nits. You know all these <laughs> all these yeah. things, bad things. And then it shows um, Rip helping Randy with his the- physio.
2: i think be saying theory test. <laughs> he's I really, he's in no condition to drive at the moment, I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> he's, he's helping him with his physiotherapy, and he's walking along like some bars, isn't he? And he's like, yeah, yeah. while he's doing it, it's so weird. Um, <laughs> Zeus is still training. He's 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 all business, isn't he? Yeah. Um, next thing that happens is um, the suits are in the arena all three of them, someone called Mr Green asks what will happen if Rip wins Brow says he won't he then asks the small dick gang <laughs> if the satellite backup is on standby and if the elevator is ready, which we <clears throat> find out what will happen in that instance later yes um, Randy, Sam, uh, Charlie and Craig turn up at the building. We see them entering the building for some reason. Um, Rip is in his changing room with Charlie as the rest of the faces turn up. Sorry, Charlie's already with Rip, should I say. Um, and Samantha's forced back into the lift by two guards and is brought up to the suite, suite I've called it, or I think it might be some kind of control room. Yeah. Um, the elevator trick obviously worked. Um, and the, the, the and Craig and, uh, well, Craig I guess it is, just turns up and tells rip that samantha's been taken braille then phones rip and tells him to take a dive after 10 minutes then charlie and craig go to look for samantha otherwise sam will be in
2: a otherwise rip won't be pushing just randy in a wheelchair he'll be pushing sam as well really is that is that what's out of the dialogue is it yeah that well he says otherwise you'll be pushing two people in
1: a wheelchair yeah that's what braille says to him quite a sinister threat Pretty sinister, yeah, I'd say so. Rip makes his way to the ring. Uh, he's wearing the white WWF like winged eagle belt, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I don't remember ever seeing
2: before. I I I am almost positive there wasn't a coloured WWF title belt until Warrior One uh, yeah, after, in One. that run. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He is like staring going, yeah, ah, on his way to the ring. He then does the Rip'em signal to Randy, who is at ringside. And uh, Randy can't reciprocate because he's quadriplegic, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Rip is over at this point as well. And they show, they really specifically show Randy being wheeled into his appropriate place at ringside. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the best best seat in the house. Rip looks up at Brel in the control room and sneers at him again. And the happy crowd go quiet when Zeus turns up wearing an extraordinary waistcoat. Talk about shoulder pads for absolute days. Sorry, who is
2: wearing the waistcoat?
1: Zeus when he turns up. Or did I say rip?
2: Uh, no, I think you did say Zeus. I just completely missed this this uh, this waistcoat in my in both of my watchings of this epic film. Unfortunately, it's, yeah,
1: it's like a leather waistcoat with like metal shoulder pads that go out about three times the width of Zeus as he turns up. It's absolutely
2: extraordinary. I think I was just—I was too worried about Randy's plight in the next few minutes to uh, exactly. to notice that <laughs> waistcoat. <he's> God, go. <laughs> God, I hope
1: he's all right. Yeah. And when Zeus enters the ring, he then knocks the ring announcer out of the yeah. ring. <laughs> Zeus starts attacking Rip, and the suits are absolutely loving it. Sam manages to escape while the dumb security guards are watching the match. And at this time, Zeus is choking Rip. It keeps on cutting between the fight and what's happening with Sam at this point. Yeah. The security guard announce, uh, notice that Samantha's gone and they then run after her at this point Rip is getting the shit kicked out of him but he seems very conscious of the time
2: Yeah. at this point as well because he knows unless Sam gets back within 10 minutes uh sorry unless yeah unless she gets back in 10 minutes or he hasn't lost
1: in 10 minutes and they're gonna hurt her basically yeah that's why he keeps looking at the clock that's right um Sam gets to the lift while security chaser. Back in the ring, Rip and Zeus are doing a test of strength and Zeus appears to have the upper hand. The suits and the security guard then get to Samantha, but Charlie and... Uh... Can, can we just talk
2: about the lift, the lift thing? Just really yes. Quickly. So she runs and gets the lift, where she jumps in. This is about 20 floors she's got to travel down. And the people who run the stairs get there quicker than she does in the lift. And then Craig does... He, Craig runs in, bashes one of the security guys away, and the trainer guy whacks another one with a fire hydrant or fire extinguisher, and that's how she <laughs> that's how she saved. So like, why was she in this world's slowest lift But I just thought it was that whole bit with her was was really strange. And actually, the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that they'd said to Hogan that this is how bad it was. Explain bad it explained. I didn't realize they said to Hogan that unless if he the dive bit was related to her. I just thought Braille said that because he wanted you know for whatever reason because he wanted Zeus to win and so so that he didn't get hurt but so they didn't explain that super well
1: I didn't think no I think that's where I am with you with that bit as well I just didn't get it I just didn't get yeah. the, the, the the fact that 10 minutes was such a specific thing obviously yeah. maybe this is me thinking too much into it into the, that they had to be on the air for a certain amount of time that's why it had to be 10 minutes
2: oh but, I see that that would have made sense as well yeah
1: yeah, but either way, I'm not sure. Um, and also the, the cardio on these security guards must be something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were panting at all. twenty-four floors at that time, and <laughs> not be out of breath is genuinely extraordinary. So, the the Rip and Zeus are having a uh, test of strength, and um, like I said, like you said, uh, Craig and Charlie make the save. Zeus then starts ripping the ring apart, which is very strange. And at this point, Rip is led on the mat. And he focuses on Randy and then just manages to come to and move before Zeus can impale him with the <laughs> ring pose. Zeus then tries to break Rip's neck. The referee tries to separate them. Uh, the referee, who has thus far not been involved in the match in the slightest, runs into the ring to try and separate them, but Zeus pushes him apart. Rip then sees Samantha and Randy together. Zeus then hits Charlie, the uh, his former trainer, yeah. For no real apparent reason, and Rip starts to make his comeback, but it's very quickly cut off. And at this point, then it all goes slow mo, and Rip starts hulking out, as, as we would call it. Rip starts to get the double, the the upper hand, and Brow is losing his shit in the, in the comms room. That's what I've called it. It's either a suite or the comms room. At yeah, point, yeah. He's definitely moved into some kind of comms room. Rip hits. A double axe handle but then gets caught in a bear hug and I was like this is if you're going to pick one wrestling move to put in a film about wrestling the bear hug is not one of them. So this is what after after Rip knocks
2: Zeus to the floor isn't it and then Zeus kind of basically comes back from the dead and then grabs him in the that is on the outside isn't it I think the bear hug yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: And at this this, this point basically um, Rip is hulking up he is properly hulking up in proper Hulk Hogan style wet hairs flapping around all over the place when he's in the bear hug Rip's hair is bone dry <laughs> <laughs> Just, again, the continuity errors all over the shop, I'm sure there's loads of instances of that happening because it was absolutely soaking earlier um, Zeus then starts attacking the crowd and Brel wants Zeus to kill Rip Can so, we, so we've got to go back hold on,
2: I, I don't know if you're going to get there or not but there there is a bit here that's that is the Possibly my favourite part of the film. And this <laughs> makes so I actually feel bad saying this. Randy, who's quite a feature, they do a lot of close-ups on Randy's face throughout this whole this whole fight sequence. After the bear hug spot, Randy sort of is like shouting at Zeus as he gets out of hand. Randy falls out of his wheelchair onto the floor, and Zeus blasts him with a the, with, the, with the punt to the gut, basically. Because Randy, Randy's not had enough in this film yet, as he walks up the stairs. Sorry, Tom, back, back over it's, to you.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? It is incredible. Incredible. incredible yeah. The ultimate heel move. It is, it is amazing. About <laughs> Ted, uh, Ted DiBiase kicking the ball away. That's, yeah. that's it. Rip then takes a bit of a tumble downstairs, and Zeus. Is basically, he's got his back to everyone, his back to the hard cameras, terrible wrestling work, really. And he looks at Brill in the, Brill in the uh, comms room and starts posing at him. At this point, rip appears at the bottom of the stage and starts to take the advantage so he trips him up trips Zeus up pulls him down and starts beating on him and at this point Brawl starts to just destroy the comms room
2: well I think that the the feed is out and I think he's I'm not sure if he's destroying it initially or trying to fix it but pulling wires out is probably not going to fix it too much because the screens come up saying uh network difficulties
1: sorry for delay or something so I guess the feed is down at this point oh so I was under the impression that the that Rip was winning, so he was trying to destroy the feed. Ah, oh, that may well have been it as well, actually. Yeah, that could have been it as well. But then I suppose, yeah, that's
2: a kind of dumb move because it was still the, we were still teetering on the brink of a uh, potential Zeus win here. But yeah, that may well have been it. But again, there's too much stuff that is not explained, is it? That like,
1: yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. Even if things weren't going your way, what? It's very dangerous to start ripping at wires because yes. machines start falling. Falling like uh, falling over, getting set on fire. There's sparks flying over very, very poor move from Brill. And at yeah. this point, he is very much lost his mind. Um, <laughs> at this point, um, Rip double axe handles Zeus, and Zeus falls off the balcony and through the ring in a very big show Brock Lesnar gonna kind of wait, yeah. where Bam Bam Biglow and Taz, you know, sort of ECW through the entrance ramp, sort of way. Um, and he's dead. Presumably,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got blood coming out of his nose. Oh, no, mouth, sorry, like you would like a corpse yeah.
1: in a show. And he's dead. Yeah, presumably. Yeah. And yeah. then Rip then starts going after Bro who backs up and then accidentally electrocutes himself <laughs> on the equipment that he has destroyed and dies. <laughs> and dies. So you've
2: got two deaths, two incredible deaths. Crowd's not sure what to do, but then they know what to do. And it's yeah. party time. <laughs> bring the 80s music, bring on the dancing. We've seen two delicious deaths live. Yeah. What else can we do but
1: party on down? Come on! What's well, so funny is that the crowd are all clapping and Rip celebrates. He starts started doing his Hulk Hogan moves <laughs> and then Rip looks at the screen and it freezes in him in his Rip pose. Yeah. And then the best thing about the entire film happens and that's when the No Holds Barred theme song Written by James Johnson, Jim Johnson Johnson, himself, WWF legend, kicks in and that's the end of the film. Yep, that is the end of the film. Wow. Now, I feel like we've been on a bit of a journey here, Steve. (laughs) I would like to know, we want to go good, bad and ugly now at this point. So what is the good in this film? What is the bad and what is the downright ugly for you? Oh cracky the good is got be i think Brel is is a
2: a good fun character i think um what's well, it's a good bad and ugly so yeah get Brell, i think the ugly is the 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 kind of you know the 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 stuff of the women really like the the attacks and the, the all the, all of that stuff And what's the bad? The bad's probably got to be Hogan, isn't it? Really, I think. And I don't even put too much of that on him. I just think this was a terrible script. I think it's so obvious what you do with this film. You just do a cheap knockoff of Rocky. Just do a cheap knockoff of Rocky, have Zeus as a wrestler, do it all within the arena format. It doesn't have to be this weird fighting thing do just just do that do, you could tell this story so you could tweak this this script um you know a bit and take out some of the boardroom stuff and just and i have a pretty, like a pretty decent 80s you know throwaway cookie cutter action film but you just don't get it because they do load of weird
1: stuff basically so yeah i agree i must admit those three of what i would say would be my good bad and uglys as well i mean in particular i'll, I'll, I'll go a bit broader the good is that I've always kind of wanted to watch this film, yeah, and I'm glad I did, despite the fact that it was terrible, and I will never watch it again the The good is the the best bit about the film, in my opinion, was the industrial arena that was my favorite <laughs> part about it. The bad is just the dialogue generally is awful, and the ugly is the the casual violence towards women <laughs> yes. this to film. This is not a good film, and I will not leave the final word, because I think we've got a bit more to say about it, but film critic Brian Orndorff, any relation to Mr. Wonderful, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Said this film is tremendously crude, unapologetically manipulative, and aimed directly at easily entertained 13-year-old boys. And I couldn't agree with him anymore. Yeah, it's true.
2: It's completely true.
1: It's not going to end up in the official RWR rankings. Yeah. But what would you give this out of 10? So as a film it is
2: obviously it was obviously terrible it was terrible loads of unanswered questions loads of grotesque noises just nonsense from start to finish but can i sit here and honestly say that every single wrestling fan over the age of 30 shouldn't stop what they're doing right now. If you're in the UK, download Pluto TV and watch this right now because you will not regret it. I had a smile on my face. I didn't enjoy it as much second time. I'm not sure it's got so much rewatchable value. But the first time I watched it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm going 9 out of 10. No holds barred. <laughs> Fuck yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> oh wow that's how much i enjoyed it i was pissing myself laughing at that finish and that finish is so good it's just so like the, the just two deaths come on it's 80s party time it was just it was it was unbelievable in a completely different stratosphere of brilliant ending so yeah the highest i think it's the highest i've ever
1: given any show i've ever reviewed on a podcast wow. and that's, that's no part. so there that's you go um I'm not going to go as high as you. I am going to go for a four for this. I'm <laughs> bringing the average right now um, because it is crap. It is absolutely crap. Now, I dare say that if I watched this when I was younger, going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier with films, if this is a film I'd grown up with, I probably would love it. Yeah. Um, because I'd have that nostalgic feeling attached to it. But because of the, because of just how bad it is, because you can get films that are bad and you can get films that are so bad that they're that they're entertaining. Like, have you ever seen The Room, for example? I uh, don't think so. It's no. A really no. low budget crap film that was made about fifteen, twenty years ago, and it's widely regarded as one of the worst films ever made. This this film is too polished to be The Room, okay. so I I feel like there are moments like because they've obviously they sunk a lot of money into this film. Yeah, and you can tell with a lot of the production values of it the budget just obviously didn't stretch to a decent scriptwriter or, or any good actors with the exception of the guy who plays Brawl who is yeah. very good in this film. Yeah. Um so that's why I'm giving it a, giving it a 4. Um I I'm really glad I watched it and I'm really yes. glad we recorded this podcast on it. Um so it's going to be it's going to be really fun. Um that I guess is it the end of this this podcast I hope uh the listeners stuck with us through it we did this we watched this film so you didn't have to yeah
2: <laughs> so I do so, think I really do think that as I say if you if you grew up you know maybe what 10 years younger than us uh, and you kind of know of the Hulk Hogan sort of 90s run I think it's probably Matt would probably think it's the worst thing he's ever seen in his entire yeah. life however I do think there's just once just watch it once never watch it again and i think you'll find some you'll find some enjoyment in there definitely so yeah it was great fun revisiting it for the first time in what 32 years Cracky, that makes yeah. you feel dreadfully
1: ancient um, the other thing that is quite interesting about this actually is that they obviously did a pay-per-view as well which is yes. no whole the match and the movie yeah now did. i've looked at this on Wikipedia, right? and It was pay per view. You got the film, and then you had a steel cage match, which had Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake versus Randy Savage and Zeus in a nine in a ten minute long steel cage match. The undercard is wonderful. Yeah, so I watched it this other day. Yeah. The under you watching it? Did you say No, I, I looked. I looked no. this up, but they were all dark matches,
2: wasn't it? So it was only the yeah. cage matches on pay per view, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: So the undercard is Dusty Rhodes defeating a bit Big Boss Man. The Ultimate Warrior versus Dino Bravo, the Colossal Connection, which is obviously Andre the Giant and Haku versus Demolition, and Mr. Perfect versus Ron Garvin. That is lo- a lovely 1989 lineup. It really is, yeah,
2: yeah, it really is.
1: And I don't think that match uh, is certainly not on WWE
2: Network, and I'm not sure it's that out there really. I've never seen that match at all. The only thing I really remember about that was they, when I first got the Survivor Series '89 vhs they were they were at they pushed that match on the v, on the vhs uh, or, or on the pay-per-view at the time i should say but um yeah it's, it's one i don't know why that's not on there it's really really weird yeah it's
1: bizarre again it must have something to do with rights or something like that yeah incidentally uh zeus is in a number of other films that i've seen as well um He's in famously in the Friday and next Friday. I don't know if you've ever seen those films. Sorry, written by and starring Ice Cube. Um, And he's also in the Dark Knight, which is in my top five.
2: I think I've seen that, but I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in it. I'm afraid. The Dark Knight Batman film? No, not one for you. Who's Who's the Joker in it? Heath Ledger. Yeah. Yeah, I have seen it. I have seen it. So he's he's one of the inmates in that film very I feel like that's sort of film that I would have gone to see because other people were seeing it and I didn't I was like I did not want a FOMO thing situation whereas (laughs) I would sit there but is it like two and a half out nearly three hours it's a bit of a beast of a film it's just not my I don't want I, I I take the rule in life especially as like as a pro wrestling fan I don't you know if you're into comic books or sci-fi or whatever fair play it's just not my thing but i wouldn't slag it off but yeah i just i just don't really like i sat i've sat through all of the lord of the ring films and all the hobbit films and all the harry potter films and i just find these things that if i'm not interested it's very long it's
1: quite an ordeal really Um, that that was one thing that i was very thankful about this one it's an hour and a half long yeah why we're gonna we're, we tried i've tried to i've tried to end this so many times just like the, end the last lord of the rings film that has about 16 different endings the um films these days are too fucking long they yeah, are too yeah. long like every yeah. film is like two and a half hours long it's too much yeah too much. you get like a
2: rom-com on netflix it's an hour and 55 minutes it's like there is no rom-com in the world that needs to be more than 90 minutes so just just cut
1: the stuff out so yeah yeah exactly but anyway, we've rambled on enough in fact, people will probably say that we need to cut some of this stuff out so we'll, we'll finish up now. thank you very much for spending uh, this evening talking about this with me stephen It's been an absolute pleasure.
2: a pleasure as always tom hopefully our restraining order will be lifted at some point we might be on a straight together again in the near not too distant future
1: Funny, we'll have to see and brilliant thanks a lot and thanks to everyone for listening and we'll speak to you soon.